friends. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Fort Worth Roots. This is a local podcast focused on our community's creators, and you can find us on all your favorite streaming services, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, Spotify, whatever you're getting your podcast on. You can find us there on our website. You can stream it straight off of there at fortworthroots.com. And uh, there are YouTube videos that go along with this, so you can find that by going to YouTube and looking for Fort Worth Roots. Not every single episode that we've put out has a video, but almost all of them. I think it's like 77 or 78 videos uh, to go along with these episodes. And if you are on Instagram, check us out. It's Fort Worth Roots. We'd love for you to follow us on there. Anytime we got anything going on, uh, we're very active on Instagram. So if you got an Instagram, check us out, Fort Worth Roots. This weekend, I had the opportunity to hang out with some really awesome local podcast people. Osos Golosos, thanks for the invite. Forever Reckless. Uh, the Funky Panther was there. We all went out to see the Lua Palooza final show. And if you didn't catch that, trust me, it was incredible. Uh, I've got some video and pictures of that up on the Instagram. And before that, we got to hang out and have some drinks and just kind of cut up. And I threw an idea out there. I've been telling you guys a little bit over the last couple episodes that I want to do a 100th episode release party for Fort Worth Roots. Well, I'm inviting all these people out there to, to do this with us. And I also told them an idea that I had for a Fort Worth podcast scavenger hunt now it's too hot outside and gas prices are too high for you to be running around doing an actual scavenger hunt so this is what we're looking at doing we're going to give one letter to each one of these podcasts we're going to try to get 10 or more podcasts involved and uh, they'll have a letter you go to that podcast you listen to their episode and now you've got the letter all together it spells a phrase bring that phrase to the 100th episode release party put it on a raffle ticket and then you'll be ready to receive a, uh, a prize if you win. I know, it sounds clunky. We're still ironing out the details, but it's going to be fun. And so we're looking for uh, no less than 11 different podcasters to get involved with us. You got to be from Fort Worth. I'm sorry, this is a Fort Worth Roots podcast scavenger hunt. So I hope that is a cool idea to you guys. All the podcasters thought it was an okay idea. And uh, I think it's something fun that we can do to kind of connect our community. So look forward to that. And to all my podcast homies that made it out to Louapalooza, thank y'all for inviting us. It was a, an excellent time. I really enjoyed getting to hang out with you dudes and dudettes. And let's do it again real soon. Thank y'all for having me out. Today's episode was recorded at Cloudland Recording Studio. You find them on Facebook. Again, that's Cloudland Recording Studios. The place is awesome. Today you're going to get the unofficial alleged inside scoop on what happened with uh, the previous Lola's location, which I was excited to hear about, but like I said, don't sue me. It's alleged, right? Our guest today is the bass player for the local Fort Worth band Mean Motor Scooter. He also plays guitar for the Fort Worth band Uncle Toasty. He's the owner of Cloudland Recording Studios, where they recently uh, recorded and released the album Continuous Vaudeville. There's a lot of projects going on. There's a lot of talent that flows through Cloudland Recording Studio, so I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Please check out the show notes. But that's enough talking out of me. Let's give it up for our guest today, Joe Tacky. Thank y'all for being here. Let's start the show. So 
So I did a, a little bit of looking up on your uh, your Facebooks and your websites. Uh, you're an audio engineer. That's pretty obvious now that I'm in your studio. Sure. <laughs> those of y'all listening, if uh, if you check out the YouTube video, we are sitting in Joe's really badass. Uh, well, this this is part of the studio. What do you call yeah, this? This is room? the control room. The control room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm always amazed with the 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 knobs and the the sliders and everything <laughs> yeah it just seems like way too much shit it see yeah i guess it can be intimidating once you start figuring out how it all breaks down it's not too bad it everything just works in in channels you know, um you have a you know your fader adjust your your output level you have a input gain knob on the top and then an eq section and then those blue knobs um will send um aux sends to a bus section over there and then you can I don't know, maneuver audio around however you want. It's like, I, I describe it as like plumbing. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, you're sending things Yeah, you places. got a signal coming in. I got a signal coming from here, and I need to get it to here. Um, how do I do that, you know? Uh-huh. So this, like, patch bay behind me, this is kind of the the brains of it. If you've seen, like, any old um, movie or something where they got the old telephone operator plugging and switching and stuff it's the exact same technology okay um so i'm just taking signal from this place sending it to that thing sending it from that thing to this thing and from this thing to the <laughs> to the tape machine <laughs> or whatever so you're a madman uh yeah. well this is getting really far in my list of questions here but <laughs> okay. um the the you're doing 100% analog recordings at Cloudland, mm-hmm. which is, that's the name of your studio, Cloudland. Yeah. And um, it, I, I was wondering, is that fairly common nowadays for for a modern studio to it, do analog? It's, pr- I think it's on the rarer side. There's still yeah. a few of us out there that do it. There's a, a community of folks that, that still record to, to tape and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a lot. There's, um, I'm finding myself backing into a knowledge gap because there's some. There's still a lot of things I need to know about, kind of the finer points, like the real, like esoteric information or whatever. That uh, most of the dudes that knew that are starting to leave us, you know. So we're starting to lose some of that knowledge. I'm trying to garner as much of it as I can. Yeah. Oh my God, I've got. I hate that wet mouth sound. Sorry, I'm gonna take. Oh. <laughs> You're going to notice it way more than anybody else. I know that. Man, that's like my biggest pet peeve. Um, listening to like an NPR or something like that, and the reporters just all dry mouth, and you just hear all those sounds. <laughs> oh, it makes me nuts. Now you're making me super self-conscious. No, it's fine. It's just me. I just needed to But I, I do that too, like during post-edit. Is there a, a tangible quality to analog over uh, kind of the, the newer age method? Uh, yeah, I, I think there is, um, the, the tape itself adds like a lot of warmth and the tape saturation and third up harmonics and all these other like high harmonics and stuff that, um, you don't normally get. And I, I mean, I don't know how in the weeds we want to get Go on some it. of those details. <laughs> um, but so oh, it looks like somebody's popped in. Let's see who it is. Oh, it's Amy Kidd as the music and sound and stuff that we hear is all like a represented by an electrical signal um you know so then that that electrical signal um has got peaks and valleys and stuff like that and so the way we convert it to digital which i do run we have digital and stuff here too um obviously still have to get music to right. people <laughs> um but so in the digital we um we have sample rate and bit depth um which if like cds are 44 1 um kilohertz i think which is the sample rate and so that's how often we take a snapshot 
of those um, that electrical signal put a plot on there right Okay. And so then the bit depth is, um, we've already lost every fucking listener you've ever had. <laughs> uh, no, there's, a, there's, there's one guy that's like, yep, mm-hmm. he knows yeah, or, what he's talking or, about. No, he got that wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then the 16, 24, or 32-bits are um, basically like the megapixels, like how in-depth that picture is. So the the more often you take a picture and the bigger the, the depth of the picture, the more accurate it you know you're going to get a representation um with with analog you don't have that digital representation lobbing off you know kind of kind of cutting off some stuff by extrapolating between point a and point b and just assuming that that line goes exactly from there to there now granted we're talking like fractions of fractions of a second but there's still you can still hear the difference. Yeah. Um, and, and that's probably the best way to word it. Then you earlier, you, you called it just the warmth. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it adds a lot of warmth and those extra harmonics and stuff. And it passes through a, you know, a bunch of bunch more transistors and stuff like that, that give it that character, um, to the sound. So the only reason I know this is because somebody told me, you know, increase your bit rate if you're going to do any editing in the future with that track. So yeah. um, <laughs> that's how far my knowledge goes on that. <laughs> generally, I, I just recommend everybody work in 32 now. Um, it gives you more headroom with your plugins. Um, and for podcasting, that may or may not be that important. Um, but it gives you a little more headroom um, to, to kind of mess with things. But yeah, um, yeah typically, like CDs are delivered in uh, 16-bit. Uh, Blu-rays are 48 um, anything for anything synced for TV, um, I think for the most part is forty-eight twenty-four now. Yeah, get a lot of knowledge running around in there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it confusing. Now, when did when did you start working towards mastering this skill? Uh, I started right when I got back from overseas. Uh, I needed something to do, and I was always happy playing music. And then I was thinking, you know, music's great, but there's always kind of a shelf life on how long that can be you know a, a viable source of income right um you know unless you get get lucky but i'm smart enough to realize i probably wouldn't get lucky <laughs> right off the bat so um i had a buddy of mine uh, one of my best friends growing up um he him and i played in bands together and he started working as an audio engineer right out of college and so when i came back that's what he was doing and so he was working at some big studios and stuff and um i just kind of got to talking to him and he talked to me he tried talking me out of it for a, like a year and a half <laughs> and i just persisted and finally he's like fine i'll show you how to get started and so just started learning on my own went to school for it for a little bit um and then started interning at studios and hit the ground running from there so that's probably like 12 years ago 13 years and ago. Mo- most of that was uh, kind of on the analog side no no i learned digital first um yeah i came into analog i've only been working like on with tape machines and stuff well like the, the term analog is kind of broad because um if i record to this thing first and still go straight to the computer that's still coming through an analog source and right. then before it's converted to digital um but yeah when i first started out i was working just just in pro tools um just with one really cheap interface and learning and then interning at studios and getting yelled at by older engineers about <laughs> how to do stuff and yeah so earn your stripes yeah exactly gotta do it but yeah now i started started in digital and then um when i started working up here about five or six years ago um we had this tape machine which 
we used to have another one too there used to be a one inch machine that, that got sold before i bought the place but um i was just kind of curious about the process i i kind of dabbled in some reel-to-reel stuff um just out of curiosity and just tinkering and stuff i, I had a Tascam eight track that i i got from an old ups driver at a day job that i had for pretty cheap in hindsight um but it didn't work right off the bat and so i tried fixing it and it's actually my friend eric darby still fucking has it it's been <laughs> god damn it, it's almost been two years eric eric we need it back dude yeah. what are you doing i said you could borrow it well no he's it. supposed to be fixing it for me but he, <laughs> he's a busy man too um so um anyway so i started dabbling with that stuff and i we had these two machines up here and i was like hey i want to start recording to those and so i got like probably sorry robbie but like the worst tutorial on how to do it (laughs) and and it then ended up kind of just deep diving it and really like figuring out how all this stuff works and how to calibrate i didn't even know you had to calibrate it for the first like year i used the machine it just started slowly falling apart no it was fine (laughs) like i was telling you before we started recording these things are built like tanks i mean they're they're meant to be road hard but there's a lot of fine tuning that can kind of it's Everything sounded fine, but once I started learning how to tweak it and shit, all of a sudden I was like, oh, wait, this sounds even better, you know? And so you start kind of, I started just reading the manual was like the first thing I did. I printed off the manual for that thing and I just read it every night. I, I didn't know that as men we were allowed to read manuals. Oh my God. I mean, I challenge you to turn that thing on <laughs> without reading the manual first. Yeah, I, I just, I want to steer clear of it because there's too much going on. Yeah, With yeah. the manual, yeah, I don't think I'd have much luck. Yeah, even I, I even when I go to calibrate it and stuff, if I have to do like a big calibration for changing um, tape formulas or something like that, I just have the manual out and I just go step by step through it, even though I, yeah. you know, I pretty much have it memorized at this point, but. Yeah, I'm totally kidding. It, I, I won't do anything without it some kind of instruction because i'm terrified i'm gonna screw it up i'm 50 50 (laughs) it depends um, depends on uh how complicated it seems like yeah well i mean the the importance level too like i took my engine from a uh, 2004 gmc sierra completely pulled it apart and uh had somebody else put it together but i I was trying to diagnose it myself yeah and so i just watched youtube videos yeah and pulled it apart and it's really easy to pull it apart yeah it's a lot harder to get it back together (laughs) i did a i did i changed the clutch on an 89 jetta in fucking moscow with like a my grandpa's toolbox i brought with me all the directions uh, are in russian well no it was they're on german um it's a volkswagen oh well yeah (laughs) Yeah. but i'm thinking um, moscow yeah no 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 (laughs) just teasing anyway i got that thing apart and i got i got it back together but it never ran the same (laughs) afterwards dude if you got it back together and it ran i'd chalk that up as a win yeah i just i remember camera phones just come out and i'm like i'm taking it for a test drive and i'd gotten um a couple of the i got two of the four plug wires like wrong and so it was mistimed mm-hmm. and so it's just like pop, 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 puttering <laughs> and so i pull up to this little gas station these fucking teenagers like whip out the first generation <laughs> s- camera phones i'm like what are they doing i'm like oh god damn it they're filming me <laughs> and I'm like, yeah they couldn't tell what the hell they were looking at when they yeah. replayed it yeah <laughs> one megapixel shit i'm sure it looked camera. terrible <laughs> that i think that's what they were too right I, like back could, then it i don't know maybe like, a megapixel I, back then. this was like the year the iphone came out no um but it they i don't think it was an iphone i don't think anybody in russia had an iphone when Be- then <laughs> Or at least none of the, the common folk. <laughs> because I, I I think that there were camera phones before iPhone, but they were just 
awful. Yeah, I like, had one. You couldn't had, do anything I with it. I had some them. little flip phone with a camera. Right, but it, right. It basically, like, my kid has a toy camera that has the exact same resolution. As or better. Did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that you bought this place about five years ago. No, I started working here five years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, I bought it. So um, Dreamy Life Records built it um, to, to be the studio. for They, they have the, this whole kind of idea of the store record label studio kind of a one-stop shop for everything right um and for a while i was about you know one of the very few people that were keeping the, the lights on in here and so when they decided to get out of the studio business they uh they offered it up to me to to buy it from them and so i snatched it up and that was about a year and a half ago okay so dreamy life record label that's not part of this no not anymore okay uh, I still recorded a lot of Dreamy Life bands. We're all friends, you know. Right, right. Yeah, it's a tight community. And I all just, that. I, I thought maybe that was part of uh, Cloudland, but they, yeah. uh, they do have a record store at Mass. They do, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. They've got a pretty limited selection, but lots yeah. of good stuff it's in there. A, it's a good curated selection. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, Jim and Cameron do a pretty good job, I think, of um, trying yeah. to kind of pick the best of the best. I'd been stuff. to Mass probably three times before I realized there was a record store there. Yeah, I don't know what time they close. Um, They've been staying later, open later and yeah. later. And and you said that you were there for uh, Psychedelic Panther at Mass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I played Uncle Toasty also, and we played. Um, yeah, we played like eleven on Friday night of that thing. Are you bass for Uncle Toasty? Guitar for Uncle. Toasty. Oh, okay, and yeah. then bass um, for B Motor Scooter. Right. Yeah. Is that hard to? I I talked to Jeff about this, but is it kind of hard to differentiate between those two bands to to keep them as a separate thing? No, Chase or Jeff has like a real strong vision of what uncle toasty should be um and we all just kind of serve that vision and me motor scooter is a little bit more sammy's vision but with all of us kind of feeding into it um in our own little way too so it's its own kind of own they're very different animals for sure yeah sounds uh, you're both telling me the same thing like y'all y'all got it figured out yeah i think so and it helps too (laughs) that we have different um i mean the the three members of me motor scooter are also in uncle toasty but we have two other members with us and so that helps bring in you know fresh ideas and perspective and stuff like that. does the jerry jonestown massacre podcast fit into that somewhere yes uh dustin schneider who is the um one of the hosts of JJTM with Matt Stubbs is the bass player for Uncle Toasty. Okay. Yeah. I haven't met those guys yet. Yeah, they're cool. Yeah, you guys should do a double podcast. That'd be cool. Yeah, Yeah, they, uh, everybody speaks very highly of them. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah. Uh, They've had that podcast for a while. Don't go in May when you're not drinking though because, yeah. May's almost over, dude. They like to drink. (laughs) Just got a few more days to go. Yeah, I, uh, I was telling Joe before we started the the recording that May was, uh, a no drinking month i do this every once in a while actually 2020 i went the entire year without drinking oh my god i lost a ton of weight oh i did the exact opposite <laughs> I, just, I just drank myself that's everybody everybody i remember going down the street like the first uh first month of lockdown and there were just hefty bags you know like the big yard yeah. hefty bags full of like liquor bottles and beer cans and i mean people were doing it up yeah 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 yeah. 2020 was, was good for liquor stores yeah i basically like i spent all of 2020 just in here recording like a very small group of friends and yeah. just like spent a lot of the time um i have a buddy josh reed who used to have a, he used to be in josh and the jet noise and then he stepped away from that and they kept going just as a jet noise but then he he just got this wild hair that he wanted to um start like just a, his own project and so he he's real like he was real real covid shy so he showed up here um pre-rehearsed a few songs with um 
the Bruce Magnus drummer Billy, uh, Billy Hildreth, they laid down drums and guitar, and then Josh was like, "See you later." And then so um, <laughs> a, me and a bunch of friends just spent the next six months just adding all sorts of crazy shit to his songs <laughs> until it was done. Turned out really cool. It was a really fun project, but we also just we just drank and drank and drank and drank. And did, drank. That, did that turn into an album when y'all finished it? it? I think he released it as an EP just under his name, Josh Reed. Okay. Yeah. I think uh, it's called. Oh shit, Josh is gonna be mad. I can't remember what it's called now. Well, uh, th- we've always got the show notes, so if you'll send me a link, I'll, I'll add it. Yeah, I'll shoot you a link to it. Oh, yeah, it's, it's something like, it. it's, it's, oh, too. I always want to say too fat to fish, which was um, <laughs> that uh, oh, what's his name? The uh, that's Arnie Lang from the Stern Show. That was the okay. name of his his autobiography. Too was fat too to fat fish. to fish. But no, I think it's like too something to beatbox. It's not too fat to beatbox, but it's something like that. That's hilarious. Yeah, anyway. It's a good <laughs> record. We put a, it was a lot of fun. Well, this is a, a little temple of creation here. I mean, you guys are churning out all sorts of stuff. And uh, I noticed, digging through your Facebook today, that uh, you'd done a, a flyer for uh, the dark side of the country <laughs> science rainbow. And I was like, I got to ask him about that. Cause first of all, the art on that was pretty cool. Did, Thank you. It, was it a copy paste job or how did you no, do I that? Drew, I drew it. That's really good, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, I use, uh, I have like an iPad and a, a Apple pencil sure. and, and, um, sure, it was very artistic. I have all the Adobe softwares. I just, it's really, I just, I took a picture of Tom Servo and traced it and then took that, Denver Williams' eyeball and traced it and put the cowboy hat on it and all that and some other Photoshop tricks and whatever shit. it was but cool yeah thank you, <laughs> thank, you thank you so what was going on there the the dark side of the oh, country science rainbow man so this is this was Denver Williams' brainchild um, I think he's been wanting to do this idea for like a few years um, and then every time he remembered to do it he just didn't have time to pull it off this year yeah. was no exception but um, he enlisted some some ambitious friends to help him get it going but so he had this vision of doing sort of a mystery science theater 3000 thing okay over the cmas okay (laughs) (laughs) and so um it's so basically it never mind what we wanted it to be what it the way it turned out was we um we put a giant curtain in front of the stage at the post Uh and we had the full band crammed behind that curtain and then in the green room, we had three, or three a three seat couch where we had this rotating cast of comedians uh-huh. that were watching the CMA and then just like commenting, just making stupid mystery science theater comments over it. Now, could anybody see the CMA? Uh, yes, you could see it, but we didn't have the sound on. Okay, yeah. And so that was broadcast on the sheet. Oh, that's why the sheet was there. Okay, was the, to broadcast the actual like show i grew up watching that show Mis- yeah. mystery science theater <laughs> yeah and, uh, it's the dumbest thing ever but it's so it's entertaining uh, hilarious absolutely <laughs> hilarious but and so then between either the, uh, so then sometimes we'd um pull up the curtain and then the pull up the screen and the band would play like a song or two and then we'd roll it down and then do some more jokes and then uh keegan McEnroe um would come out and he was like the presenter and he gave like he gave, he did interviews with other people pretending to be characters and gave out awards and all that stuff it was it was weird but it was awesome it did was you have a pretty good turnout it was a pretty good turnout it was a monday night and the post isn't normally open on monday but we talked okay. them into staying open for nice. us um and it was a yeah it was a pretty good turnout i'd say it was you know like it wasn't standing room only but it, right. all the tables were full and when are we doing it again next year 
Really? Yeah, I think um, I missed the last production meeting, but I think, well, hopefully this isn't a spoiler, but I think we're working on something for Earth Day next year. Okay. So, um, yeah, they just want to keep the keep the troop together, I guess. Well, and I'll, I'll tell you like this, uh, everybody that comes on the show, if you've been on Fort Worth Roots and my listeners know who you are, I'll start putting your stuff on our, our Facebook page. So whenever y'all have stuff uh, and you just, if you'll tag me and I'll, pass yeah, it on um, absolutely and then also you're always welcome to come back and we can talk it up and oh yeah for sure kind of explain what's going to be better this year or same as last year or yeah whatever yeah we'll do it um how are you doing on time we're about 30 minutes into this oh yeah, we're good i'm not I'm, I'm looking at my watch because of text messages not because of the time oh <laughs> other thing i had on here that i wanted to hit you up about was uh lola's i saw that you uh were were either at Lola's for that last show or you played in it? No, um, I actually was at Lola's Saloon the day or two after the last show. Okay. Um, so I was working on um, this documentary for, um, or it's about uh, Willis Allen Ramsey. Um, he's a Texas, well, he's from Alabama, but he's mostly a Texas singer-songwriter. Um he made his fortune back in the day um, from the song Muskrat Love. Okay. Um, so he wrote that and he got America covered it and then Captain Antonio covered it and it pops in the movies. So he gets, you know, mail royalties. Yeah. But so his first record that came out was like really well touted and everybody loved it. And he had all these like producers clamoring for him and stuff like that. Like I think um, Dwayne Allman got in a like a argument with. Um, Oh gosh, I can't remember who. Some other um, big producer of the time about who was going to do his record and this and that. And anyways, that record comes out is acclaimed, you know, in certain circles or whatever. And then he starts working on the second record sometime in the seventies, late seventies. Um, and everybody just keeps asking him like when's the next record when's the next record and he's like what was wrong with the first one <laughs> um and he's, a, he's a super sweet dude but um anyway so then fast forward to 1997 i think they finally s- finished tracking everything on that record and then they started mixing it and so they've been mixing that record since 70 since, since they started recording in the 70s probably late 70s maybe early 80s i'd have to look it up but then they finished tracking in the 90s the late 90s started mixing it in the late 90s and i think it's gonna come out this year what happened that's what we're gonna find out in the documentary oh my god that's wild right yeah so this is i I mean it's a time capsule yeah it should be interesting i don't know much about where um so what this what we were doing up at lola's was um we were shooting um he did He's, he's starting to play concerts again and so he did a show at the trailer park um, that day and so we did some interviews and stuff at a house down the street and then doing um, the stuff at the trailer park and then he went down to Waco um, to do another show down there so yeah so cool. has he done albums in between no and now? he's written a bunch of songs in between yeah um, and I don't know what's happened to them or if they just got sold or released or whatever but um, this is his second album. It's his first one came out in the early '70s. This one will come out in the 2020s. Huh? That's wild. Yeah. So where can people find the documentary? Well, it's not out yet. It's, but, I mean, what? on my computer right now. Okay. Um, unedited. <laughs> <laughs> so, Untouchable. Yeah, it has uh, hasn't been touched. What yet. are your plans for it though? Do you think you'll have it released within the year? Or? Yeah, I think that's our goal. Um, so we're going to do like a short-term one. So I also work for the um, Texas Music Cafe, which is a 
it was a PBS show for a long time, and now it's kind of free range. We're trying to find a new home, but um, uh, we all of this is kind of through that, and so we're gonna okay. do a, a shorter, maybe fifteen or twenty minute release, kind of about that weekend, um, and then that's part of well, we've got um, access to uh, all of his like um, backlog of just video and um you know his archivist is yeah. good buddies with my buddy and so we've kind of we've got everything in, in plans to do a much broader documentary does he live here in fort worth no okay but um yeah so that's what we're doing up at lola's we're just working on that how bent out of shape are you that they're uh losing that location i'm bummed i mean that's where i cut my teeth as a as a young upstart musician um just you know playing shows up there brian liked us um when we were young and put us on shows and other friends um got us on shows there and then the next thing we know we're headlining there four weekends in a row damn kind of stuff and um yeah i mean i'll miss that stage for sure um their new location is much closer to my house i live like right over here um in fairmount and so their new location is closer to me so i'll probably go there more often yeah um just gonna be newer nicer yeah um but it should be good so somebody was telling me they think there's gonna be more space for stuff like the backyard is bigger than the trailer park was I that's think. wild because i mean it's yeah backed up right to those tracks and then mm-hmm. there's a shopping center on the left i think yeah so just the inside i've never been in there though um well, it was for so it used to be a restaurant called americado it was really fucking good it was a really good restaurant but then it couldn't make it and then the um the people that own the moon bar or at least the name to it reopened it as the moon bar for a while and yeah. we played there twice the stage was tiny um we were pretty cramped on it but um and then that closed and then katie trail or not katie trail uh berry street ice house opened in that location and then they failed and so now brian's moving into it and so yeah nah it'll be good i'm sure lolos has a really really strong following yeah brian's a he's he's a good bar bar owner he knows what he's doing he wouldn't in fact i talked to him that that saturday that friday we were up there and he's like he's pretty excited about it he said he's got he said it's gonna be huge he said it's gonna be huge he literally (laughs) did that, that I don't know what that means, but I trust Brian. <laughs> <laughs> now, are we allowed to talk about why the move? Oh, fuck it. Yeah, why not? Um, do you know the story? I don't. Okay. Oh, it's so dumb. Um, <laughs> so, you heard it here first, folks. Yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> since I heard it, I heard this third hand, so just take that for what it is. Yeah. But I heard it from a very reliable doorman at Lola's, and <laughs> most everybody knows who I'm talking about. Um, so Lola's Trailer Park and Saloon, uh, from my understanding, are they're two different addresses, and they're okay. two different properties owned by two different landlords. Okay. And so Brian pays rent to both of them. Huh. Um, and so I guess, you know, business has been slow from COVID, and because um, normally they would have shows there Wednesday through Sunday night. There would yeah. just be a, sh- a show every night, and that was it. And then flies to keep it open the rest of the time right um but since things got you know kind of knocked down and you know whatever covid and all that shit so there wasn't much much stuff happening as covid started to pick up shows weren't picking up so this um frat kid from tcu started throwing fraternity and sorority parties there like renting out the whole place mm-hmm. and i guess they were very successful um and and this I don't know, whatever, this kid was was doing that. And then, so his parents decided to buy both properties and gift to the kids so that he can continue to 
do his parties and stuff there. So, and they made like the landlords an offer. They just couldn't refuse, I guess. So anyway, like I said, third hand knowledge, but that's, that's that what, is wild. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Send him to college to get a education and ends up owning one of the baddest corners in Fort Worth for a bar. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, you know, it's probably not that big of a deal. Cause I think we were probably pretty close to getting overrun by West seventh generally. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, maybe it's, good timing to get well the getting's good like just north of uh 7th right there where they were at felt kind of protected you know Pope yeah. Mahones and all that well right i there. think i think a lot of us started getting scared when the grotto got torn down i think oh uh up camp buoy no the grotto what was, was, was just off a of university so it was basically a walking distance from lola's okay um it was there's a taco joint um is it mesa blue mesa is that what went up there? No, 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 no. Um, Blue Mesa is, uh, I think, perp- like, if you could draw a straight line from Blue Mesa to University, and I think it would go through the grotto. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the grotto was, yeah, it was on a university across from where that Lisa's Chicken used to be. Um, now it's a Starbucks. So um, Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, um, they tore it down, or no, they tore it down and built that. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I can't remember if it's a taco place or the Starbucks. One of those two went there, and the other one went over the other Italian restaurant. And then we got there. Deep Elm over there, and that petered out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right over in that area. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's the taco places. Because, oh, yeah, there's Deep Elm, and there's a taco joint. The taco joint. Austin Taco. Yeah, the, yeah, that used to be the grotto. They tore it down yeah. and built that place. And then next to that used to be sardines i think or something like that um and then that got torn down turned into starbucks so anyway yeah. when that happened i think a lot of us were like oh shit this neighborhood's changing pretty fast yeah. but well west seventh man holy shit um you could uh i don't i'm sure you can't do this now but you know the street view on google how you can go street level and you can walk yourself down the street mm-hmm. yeah i think i was doing this in like 2015 and you got to fox street and if it, as you're walking down 7th if you're heading towards downtown mm-hmm. as you approached Fox Street it was all the old buildings like mm-hmm. warehouses and stuff and these images were like 2011 I think okay and then as soon as you crossed Fox Street everything updated and it was 2015 images and now you've got all the new buildings and you could turn around and you could look behind you and it was new images oh wow and you could see all the new buildings that had taken over the warehouses and things like that so it it did overnight just completely change. Yeah. And uh, there were, there was some really nice little spots down there that, that already are gone, like Terra, the Mediterranean place. The place was great, yeah. Man, it was so good. Their buffet was incredible, and there's nothing like that here. There's one place on Camp Bowie that I found that's kind of like it, but oh, their food sucks. Shad- Shadra over here is pretty good, too. It, where, what uh, street is that on? I want to say Park Place. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, they're pretty good. They do a buffet for lunch. I don't think they do for dinner. I need lots of shawarma, so it's, I need. It's yep. got to be a buffet. This is your place. <laughs> this is your place. Yeah, go to go to Shadra for lunch. Okay. Yeah, I've got it recorded. Super so good. Yeah. Check it out. C H A D R A. I'll go ahead and add the address in the show notes, so yeah. you guys know what we're talking about. Yeah, the place is the place is really good. <laughs> but there's been a lot of things that have popped up just over the last couple of years down there. Mm-hmm. Tried to make it, didn't make it. Yeah. They spent like two years putting together uh that dallas restaurant that moved in right across from uh it's on that it's it's where the winery used to be there used to be a little winery there oh yeah and they spent two years remodeling the inside of that thing oh it was supposed to be a punch bowl social 
that's what it was. Yeah. And that place was actually pretty damn cool. My cousin was supposed to come down from... So my cousin is a manager in Indianapolis of the Punchbowl Social there. Oh, sure. He was supposed to come here to open that one, and then it just never opened. Well, it opened. It was open for 88 days. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what it was. He uh, saw the writing on the wall. I was there for the grand opening, and I mean, it was a big deal, and uh, I can't... Some guy was there, and he looked just like his brother, but I can't remember the actor's name. And I asked him, I was like, do you, are, do you know how much you look like this guy? And he's like, yeah, that's my brother. Is it one of the Wilsons? I can't remember now. But uh, it, it, was, it was wild. So there was a bunch of, like, affluent people there. There's a lot yeah. of money. That place was, um, it was weird fun. I, I've only been to the one in Indy, but it was weird fun. The food was incredible. Yeah, I remember, yeah, the food was good. I can't imagine that one was big enough like, because I know the footprint. I've been to that winery before. I can't imagine the footprint was big enough to do that right. It was huge in there. Was it? There was there were bowling lanes. Well, I know, but how many? Like six. Okay, so the one in Indy had like twelve or thirteen or something like that. Plus, like a little a bocce ball court next yeah. to each bowling alley, and then like an arcade in the middle. The one in Deep Ellum is like three levels. Yeah, I I figured that one's. I haven't been to that one it's either. It's huge, but I figured. It, yeah, it's, it made this one look like bullshit. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that one, I think. Um, yeah, I, I was wondering about the footprint of it, whether it was going to be a... I'd never thing. heard of it before, but... I think I don't think that there's a ton of them around the U.S. J- just just based on how much time they spent putting that damn thing together, 88 days, that's yeah. got to be a pretty huge kick in the nuts I'm for sure. anybody involved that's with it. certainly a loss, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, let's start wrapping it up, but before we do, we need to at least talk about continuous vaudeville. With uh, oh, sure, Itchy yeah. Richie and the Burning Sensations, our homie Richard Keller. Yeah, yeah, that record was crazy fun to work on. Um, you know, it's they're just fun college rock kind of tunes. Yeah. Is how I've been describing them for yeah, lack that's a good of way, better term. Um, yeah, some of that stuff. Like, there's a couple songs where Richie like really let me and um, Neil McAllister is an assistant engineer um, that works for me sometimes. Um, amazing musician and songwriter in his own right. Um, but um, w- him and I both were like every once in a while we'd have an idea and Richie's like okay I'll do that you know and sometimes reluctantly sometimes not so but anyway so some of that stuff some of the more B-52 sounding vocal takes was me really going like nah come on Richie do it do it the right way <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that but yeah that record's super fun yeah um, it's really good well I I hope, I, I hope to watch them grow because uh, they're they put on a. They've got good stage presence. They put on a good show, and uh, the music's excellent. So yeah, his bass player um, <clears throat> Jeff Sachowski, uh, he's got his own band called, or he's got several bands and uh, personalities and stuff like that. He's 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 very prolific. He the dude cranks out material, and so I'm working. We met through um, through Richard um, through the recording, and just kind of hit it off, and we've been recording all sorts of stuff. So he's got. Um, He's got a record I just mastered for him that he recorded with some other friends, and then um, him and I are working on a big record for his, and we've got plans for fucking four more, I think, <laughs> and stuff like that. So yeah, plenty of stuff to do. Yeah, I'm always busy. That's very cool. Yeah, I'm always busy. I I just finished up a Jenna Clark record last night, which we've been working on for like a year and a half. And I listened to a little bit of that. She's got an amazing voice. Yeah, um, I'll shoot you not for. Sharon, but I'll shoot you the um, mixes we finished up. Uh, okay. the, anything she's got online is like a lot more bluesy um, than she is. It's great stuff. And she, Jenna's kind of 
dichotomous. She's got kind of her blues jazz self and then she's got her country now when and you send me stuff make sure you put like for you only or something because yeah. i'm I, I like to share people shit like if you send it to me i assume you want me to share it so yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah no i'll uh I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll mark it as such but <laughs> i saw that uh you you'd uh outed yourself as a fort worth cheerleader yeah on for your sure. facebook page yeah absolutely. Uh, i feel the same way i i get into arguments all the time with people like yeah Fort Worth is the best place yeah. to live. All my friends call me, or my, all my Dallas friends call me Mr. Fort Worth. It's <laughs> <laughs> perfect. It's perfect. Well, Joe, thank you for your time, yeah, man. This, this has been a real fun. treat. I love your studio, and uh, I, I would really like to uh, do this again with you sometime, and I'll, I'll bring the beer. There we go. Okay. All right. We'll all right. Just, yeah. Joe, thanks again. Appreciate Fort it. Fort Worth man. Roots, thank y'all for being here, and we will see you next week. Bye. A huge sincere thank you to Joe for having us inside the Cloudland Recording Studios to check out that space and for giving us a bit of a little bit of his time. He had stuff going on before and after this recording, and he, he kind of carved out a spot for Fort Worth Roots. So, Joe, thank you very much. Um, Josh Reed, we talked about this in the episode. I'm going to leave a link in the show notes for Josh Reed, Too Ugly to Beatbox, I think is the name of it. But check out the... Uh, show notes for that that's going to be in there um the video is cool y'all should check that out youtube fort worth roots nothing real special i didn't add a bunch of graphics and stuff like i I do with some of these videos but you got to check out the inside of that uh control room pretty cool stuff 100th episode release party it's coming soon right now i'm talking to people about different venues and different ideas but i want this to be big and i've got a couple of uh, months to plan for this so you know little by little i'm giving you information as it comes in but the uh the scavenger hunt the thing got the green light this weekend after talking to uh the funky panther uh thanks for the invite osos colosos and uh forever reckless so we're gonna be doing that i don't know to what extent i don't know how many podcasters are gonna be involved um and you don't even have to play it's just a cool way for us to collaborate with all these different podcasters and get something going. So, all right. Be sure to check out the show notes. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the show. And I'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.